Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. A survivor podcast about living with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. Join me as we heal together, raise awareness, and inspire everyone to survive, thrive, and conquer their past. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. My name is Matt, your humble host right back here for another awesome edition of the show. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm always stoked to have you here as we rock our survivor journey together. If you are a first-time listener, I'm glad that you found the podcast, and I hope that you'll find it validating, encouraging, and maybe a little fun, too. Be sure and head over to survivingmypast.net for more blog posts, videos, podcasts, and so much more, all in support of those who have survived the trauma of abuse. If you are a returning listener, you guys rock. You're amazing. Thank you so much for the support, the encouragement, and helping spread the message of hope that we promote here on the podcast. So with that, let's jump right into it. I am super stoked and honored to be welcoming in a special guest. Katya Cooper is here with me. She specializes in assisting recovery from childhood trauma, to recreate a life of expanding awareness and joy. And she's also the author of An Elf's Journey, which is going to be the topic of our podcast for today. So I'm super stoked to talk to you, Katya. How are you? Thanks for joining me and welcome. I'm Oh, I'm great, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for so much for having this and thank you so much for doing this work. Like I told you, this is amazing that you do this work, especially coming from a male, this is, um, you know, you're breaking ground here. We all are, but I think in particular males, because females tend to talk more and talk with each other more. So I'm so grateful that you're doing this. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. And I receive that. Thank you. It is, it is much needed work that we are all doing here on behalf of survivors. And I'm just honored to be able to, you know, to find a platform and be able to do my part to help inspire men and women to reach out and to always know that they are never alone. And that's exactly what yeah. you were doing here. So let's jump right into it here and maybe tell us um, about your background and what led you to publishing your recent book, An Elf's Journey, Healing Childhood Sexual Abuse. Okay. Well, I had done um, hands-on healing. I started with Reiki and just had such a wonderful teacher and great background as I worked with clients, a lot of times sexual abuse came up and I would end up with headaches um, afterward, which I would do healing on myself. But it wasn't until about, um, let's see, 13 years ago where my own memories started coming up. So I had blocked them for 47 years. And I understand how I needed to do that to be able to survive and, and live and raise a family. So when I started working with those, uh, it was so uh, 
wow, are there words for that kind of work, for that kind of inner work. And I had done a lot of inner work and had a lot of great resources. And yet I was finding that there wasn't something out there that could help me move through it in a light way, but yet go deep. I would get stuck in those dark places and lose all hope. So this is the book that I wished would have been there for me. When I had trauma triggered, I had difficulty thinking and using the logical side of my brain, which is opposite for some people when trauma is triggered. They go into just thinking logical and can't feel and create. But I was very comfortable with creating and movement and dancing because I was also teaching some creative dance. And I brought that into this book and I was doing a lot of healing in nature. Nature just really feeds me and fills my spirit and brought me back to connecting with who I really am, which I think is so key for survivors. We're all so unique and so different, but when we can put ourselves in a place where we're really reminded of who we are without all the I want to say all the bullshit we've been fed if we were told not to tell or that this never happened. And when we get back to that unique spirit of who we really are, that's when we can really break through in an authentic way. So I believe that the way is different for everyone. In this book, I give a lot of different tools. And I know there's a lot more, but I think that was really important to find or to offer a lot of different options so that the survivor can empower themselves by exploring and finding what works best for them rather than a professional necessarily just saying this is what works. And professionals can be great with giving resources and assisting. Um, I just think that it's imperative that survivors can choose for themselves what works. So basically, that's what um, that's where the book came from, is what I thought was important. And I wanted to make it light and fun so that it wasn't just all stoic and this is what you need to do. And it really brings about... Um, comes from a very innocent place and reminds the reader that of the innocence that's in a child, that's really a natural thing, even though that's not the natural way of thinking for a survivor because they've hooked into other stories of the perpetrator and that energy of guilt and shame that doesn't even belong to them. So the book is really about clearing that shame in a really subconscious way because it's a story about an elf and fairies. And when someone engages in this story, they can buy into that story for someone else, this little lovable being. And it eventually takes them on this path so that they can start taking that in for themselves. When you were sharing about how 
while you were working with survivors and, you know, taking on clients. And then, you know, it wasn't up until 47 years later that your memory started to really kind of, you know, come back into your mind. And I know for me, mine, um, I had suppressed mine for, you know, over 30 years. So I always find it interesting whenever Mm. I talk to survivors that, you know, so many of us, experienced some type of childhood trauma, but we never really dealt with it or thought about it or realized how much it affected us until decades later. And when I first realized that it had been so long since I had dealt with all this, I couldn't believe that it was over 30 years. But the more that you talk to people and you meet survivors and you do research and and whatnot, that you see that it's not uncommon at all for people to wait decades, like a long, long time to really um, you know, start to realize that, you know, something happened or maybe they start to finally deal with it. So I always find it interesting that not only do we take a long time to to start working through these, but also what triggers these memories to start happening. And, you know, for me, it was a random session with a therapist. For you, it was working with clients. For other people, it might have been something else. But it always amazes me. And just it's it's very validating and reassuring you know, even for somebody who's been in healing for a long, long time to always know that you're not alone, especially when you've been not dealing with your survivor junk, as I like to say, for so long. So before we get into the book, I just want to say thank you for that uh, validation and that, and that encouragement to me and to everybody that's listening that no matter how long it is, sometimes it just takes an extra long time to start working through your stuff. Mm, thanks, Matt. And I also believe it's a protective mechanism. I mean, when I started dealing with it, and it seems like people, um, when they're dealing with it, when they really face it, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of a lot of focus, a lot of everything. Actually, the ability to have hope, and I don't know that I would have wanted to survive. I mean, and go on had I been younger, and I was at a place that I could handle more and I could have more compassion for people that told me it didn't happen. So I think there's a real benefit to, not that I would encourage someone to not deal with it, but I think that our systems have some knowing of when it's time and that that really can be trusted. I could not agree with you more. And I think you're right. It is a bit of a defense mechanism. It's a protection, um, you know, um, mechanism that our minds either keep us from, from, you know, dealing with these types of things or our minds just to know exactly when the right time is that, you know, we are ready to start working through these emotions. And you're right for me. I mean, it wasn't that I never thought about it for 30 plus years. I mean, I did think about it from time to time, but I obviously didn't Mm. work through it and I didn't understand how everything was interconnected with all the problems I had had, you know, emotionally and physically throughout life, how it all can come back to the childhood trauma. And you're right. I, during those, during those decades of just living my life, I wasn't in a place where I could really embrace any kind of self-compassion for myself or really understand what it meant. When somebody told me, Hey, that's in your past. Don't worry about it anymore. I believed them for so long. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. It was a long time ago. It doesn't bother me anymore. Get over it. All those horrible things people say. And that's, and, but then when something finally clicked, I'm like, wait, you know what? I, you know, I can't just get over this. It, you know, it is affecting my whole life and whatnot. So I, I, I agree with you totally that mm. once we start to dive into it, it, it's the right time and you'll know it. 
And, you know, up until then, oftentimes our minds and our bodies know, hey, you know, you're not ready for this quite yet. And that's that's just an amazing part of who we are and our minds and, you know, the way our bodies are made up. And I think it's just really yeah. uh, it's amazing to know that we all uh, come to start working on our past through different ways. But it always just seems to be just the right time, you know, for us. So mm-hmm. so. In your book, um, of course, you know, you mentioned that, you know, it's about um, elves and fairies and it's called uh, An Elf's Journey. And so talking a bit more about your book, how do you feel? And um, you touched on it briefly, but maybe expand a little bit more on how the fairy tale theme can really assist adult survivors of abuse and what gifts a fairy tale can actually uh, provide for uh, survivors. Ah. You know, what's funny is my editor, who is also a therapist, she really wasn't connected with fairies and elves the way some people feel very connected to nature spirits. And she always says that she falls in love with the character. So there's something about, you know, really loving the characters, whether it's a movie or a book, that when it's such an open space when we admire someone and we can see their innocence, there's something that opens up in us and we can develop compassion for others easier than we can develop it for ourselves. But when we develop that compassion for others, there's it transfers over to self-compassion, especially when in this story, what I keep hearing from people, you wouldn't believe it. I keep hearing you wrote about my story. And so in my logical mind, I think, well, how could I have written about all these people's stories? Because I know everyone's story is different. But what I wrote about is I really captured the energy and the feelings that are so I want to say typical, but because there's uh, feelings that we generally have in common, that's it, feelings that we generally have in common that we share, and it taps into those feelings, and that's why people are saying, you're writing about my story. So when they, they feel so connected to the story on that level, and start having the compassion for themselves that they have for the elf, who is the main character in the story. As the elf, um, the elf also learns self-compassion and struggles with it. And that's part of working through subconsciously for the reader is that struggle with even self-hatred and turning that into acceptance and Um, self-compassion. And then I've got some exercises in here that people work on. The story goes into meeting with a group and meeting with a group therapist, therapist as in fairy therapist. I'm saying it with an F. And they learn together. And so there's some specific tools in here that people can pull on. To, uh, for that self-compassion to grow. And that's what I hope for the reader, that they come away 
loving themselves more and being kinder and gentler to themselves for the rest of their lives. While you were talking, I was thinking back when I was on your website um, the other day and actually this morning too, all of the reviews that I have read, so many of them reiterated the same things that you did. People were falling in love with the characters, falling in love with the storyline, saying that this book was um, you know, a story of their life and formed in such a unique way. So I think, you know, the way that, that you've approached this book, you know, this uh, resource for survivors is so unique and it's so refreshing. And yeah. I can't wait to dive into it to, to myself because it's actually next up on my reading list. But listening to you talk, I oh, almost cool. want to start reading it right this second because ah! <laughs> <laughs> like it just it, it seems like such a fresh, unique approach. So many survivor resources, um, you know, are not formed this way, but yours is an actual mm-hmm. story and a journey and it's taking place, um, you know, um, in, in this land of fairies and elves, but it's applicable to survivors because the feelings and the emotions and everything that you go through are, are all obviously the same or very similar. Um, one thing that kind of jumped out to me was the struggle with self-compassion, which I struggled with immensely. I mean, I can't, I'm not, I'm not afraid mm. to admit it, but I have, and, and I still do. Um, you know, as survivors, as you know, and, and, you know, so mm-hmm. many who are listening are, we struggle with, with self-shame and blame and, and, and self-hatred mm-hmm. and so many things that we turn on ourselves. But man, when you can start to embrace just even a little bit of self-compassion, man, like, I mean, it can just really, really take off and you realize how detrimental those negative feelings were and are to you and how much better you feel when you start to just kind of basically give yourself a break, right? Yeah, yeah. And be really be gentle with ourselves because that really was lacking at a time where we needed it most. You know, children are like sponges. They soak up everything in their environment. They take it on personally. And so I do a lot with children and observing children's growth. And so I approach this as how would I want to speak to my inner child? What do I want to tell her about what really is true? Because going through experiences of any type of abuse as a child gives the wrong messages. Not not the wrongness of the child, because the child's not wrong. They're just being and just being themselves. And there's so much that's right with that. So there's like this correction that needs to take place in a way we're reparenting the inner child inside of us and not to give the message to that inner child, you're supposed to grow up. It's fine that we have an inner child and have this, in my opinion, and have a communication going on as a caring, responsible parent-like to care about what does that child want to do? I think one of the thing, important things besides self-compassion is permission to have fun and to play is so important because that'll bring back that spirit of the inner child. When I talked about spending time in nature, for me, that's what my inner child is so connected with. That was a place that I felt really safe. And that might not be the case for everyone. And then you honor what it, what is it for your inner child? And asking questions of your child of what do you want to do? How do you want to play? What would be fun for you? And I always find when I take the time to do that, I end up with so much more energy 
And I really believe that that's what energizes us is that unique spirit inside of us, which is connected to what does that inner child want to do? You mentioned inner child work and my my eyes just lit right up because I know inner child work is such an important part of healing for so many of us for a long time. We don't even understand that we even have an inner child or what it means or you know what that inner child has been through. But when you start to really connect with your own inner child and see what they like to do and what they felt and what they feel now and what they're trying to tell you, I mean, what a world of healing that just uh, immediately opens up and it's, it's like a whole new experience of you're, you're connecting with this little boy or girl inside you that mm-hmm. experienced so many traumatic things, but you know, even decades later, they still have a voice and man, when you can just really embrace that voice and actually give them a voice and not shame them or belittle them or kind of push mm-hmm. them to the side, like we have for so long, you're right. I mean, for you, it's nature for other people might be doing other types of things. Um, you know, I have my own types of things that my inner child likes to do that, that I've really just started embracing in the last couple of years. And you're right. When you do it, you feel energized, you feel like happy, you feel alive. It's just, and I, I think it ties in so well to your book, um, just because any type of inner child work is so important, but it's also very difficult to work through. And I know that your book is going to present and present it in such an amazing validating way and you know as i said before such a unique way that i think it's going to resonate with so many people and obviously it has because it's done very well uh for you so far of course on amazon and everything and um we'll be sure to give everybody the links and the information at the end so they can definitely check it out because i i for one just cannot wait to read it i think it's going to be just your dedication to writing this and your approach is just going to help so many people like i just i'm excited for you and i'm excited for everyone who's going to read it Mm, thank you so much. You know, it made me think of a couple tools that I suggest. And one of them is if you're not in touch with your inner child is to use your non-dominant hand and to use that writing from that hand to be the voice for your inner child. So when you can just clear your mind and you can even write out the question with your dominant hand of um, how are you or any way to connect with that inner child and see what comes back. And when I first started that, and this is before my sexual abuse memories even came up, my inner child started writing um, things about that sounded rebellious of complaining about I didn't care about her, which was true. And it was really hard for me to even accept that. But once I accepted it and started realizing, well, I can take some responsibility here and really care about my inner child and we can change this. I needed to learn to listen. And when I really learned to listen to my inner child, I was really able to listen to clients, my client's inner child, and really listen to people, which I feel has become one of my strengths. And it really came through listening to my inner child. And then by listening to the complaints and responding with love, I got to a place where my inner child just loves to have fun. So I get to have a lot of fun because I find like even my inner child loves to bike ride. And so I do that for her. But I really love to do that as an adult. I feel so wonderful. I feel like I'm kind of flying through the air when I'm on a bike, which is a wonderful way to spend time. And I think it's really important to do that because 
when we have been immersed and bought into the shame that isn't really ours, doesn't belong to us, we act as if we don't deserve fun. And that's something that I think that we as survivors can change and really continue to choose to change and remind our inner child that you're innocent, you deserve to have fun. And so another way that, another tool that I just love is role-playing. If you can ask someone to do this, and I remember asking a male therapist once to talk to me as and be um, my father, and my father wasn't the abuser for me, but my father was someone I could trust, but he really didn't know or didn't pay attention to this was going on, my father. So I asked the my therapist to talk to me as a child, and I so totally took that in because I knew my father wasn't available to do something like this. And I really took it in from the therapist. And I've also done that with clients of mine and talked to their inner child. I think ideally that we learn to do that for ourselves because it's so handy to be able to do that in a moment's time. But to get someone started, you could either be at a place where you ask someone or if you're offering healing for someone is to role play And I told um, one of my clients just how precious she is. Her and her child, I was talking to her directly, even though we were on the phone and she's in another country. And she said to me that no one had ever told her she was precious. And she felt it changed everything for her. I think that's so cool. Isn't that just amazing when you connect with someone, you know, like in your case, in a client role or whatever the case may be, it's like you're finally giving them permission to connect with something they haven't been able to connect to. And you're and you're validating that they are precious and they are amazing and they are special. And it's just it's amazing in such a sad way, because I know that so many of us have experienced it, Mm. you know, never being told that you were special or that you were important or that you mattered. Mm. And. When you hear that for the first time, I mean, wow, just like what an amazing healing moment that has to be just, I mean, for, for, for each person individually. I, I know when I was told the first time that I was a survivor and that was amazing, I'm like, it was a light bulb moment that I will literally never forget. And, you know, I, I've told I've told that many mm. times of I can still tell you what what day it was and about what time it was and what the weather was like when somebody first told me that I was a survivor. I was special. I it was amazing. Like it, it was such a healing moment and I'm sure it was a healing moment for that client that, that they will never forget. In I love that, about, that you share yeah. that. I love that, yeah, that you share that too, Matt. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it was, it's really what jumpstarted my own healing journey. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who said there was one specific moment or, you know, maybe a handful of moments where something clicked and they just really were able to embrace you know, their own self-worth and their uh, survivor, and the survivor inside them and their ability to show themselves compassion. And um, just really, I, it is, it's such an amazing thing. And every time somebody tells me a story like that, it always gives me chills because I just feel like mm. I'm sitting right there with them because I remember what it felt like for me. I think it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I really want to uh, encourage all the listeners right now to tell their inner child the truth about how special they are 
because you know how children are innocent and that's the way to view them and that's the way to view your own inner child and so for each listener to take a moment maybe put your hands on your heart and just you know generate that love for the inner child inside even if you can do it for one split second but hold that as long as you can and keep adding to it i mean all day it's a matter of choosing that of choosing the idea of wow i am special and i really deserve a good life i think that because of what we've been through all the more reason that we deserve a good life a great life as as good as we can possibly make it (laughs) you are exactly right and i know for so many survivors the ability to to feel that they deserve a good life it's so far out of the realm of possibility for so long but man when you start to realize that you know other people have great lives and 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 they talk about how great their life is and obviously each person is different but you know there's no reason that you no matter what you've been through shouldn't have the right to have the same great life that everybody else does in your own way and that's such another breakthrough that you know there's so many things that just so many breakthroughs that happen when you start to open up and embrace your inner child and show yourself some love and compassion and give yourself a break and you know time to enjoy your inner mm-hmm. child just you had yeah. mentioned some unique gifts in your book uh that we as survivors tend to take uh for granted so maybe um talk about that for a little bit if you can yeah because and I'll tell you the key to finding your unique gift and if you're a survivor that hasn't really looked at this, you're thinking right now that, oh, yeah, other people have other people have these, but I don't. But that's not true. We all have unique gifts. And a lot of them are apparent when we're a child. Um, let me think a minute. Okay, what we tend to do with our gifts is disregard them because they come so natural and so easy for us. And a lot of times we think, well, everyone can do this because it's so easy for us. But it's the things that are really easy for you that are your superpowers. Sometimes we don't see them because, well, sometimes we don't see them because they're so close. We, you know, we're blind to them. And asking people that are closest to you, especially people that are positive and can give you some great feedback, go for those and ask them, what do you see as my gift? What do you see if I had a superpower? What is that? Someone outside of you can often see it before we see it ourselves. And even if you hear it, you may not believe it. But stick with it. Ask questions about it. And stay curious with, well, what is it that I can do in a unique way and how can I develop this? And it may seem weird. My gifts are really weird, I got to tell (laughs) you. And they're weird to this reality, but this reality really is a reality that blocks off a lot of things. It blocks off talking about the truth of the most horrendous things that go on, for example. So finding those things that we're good at, even if they seem weird to a lot of people, 
it doesn't really matter. I think one of my gifts is really finding fun and having fun and creating fun. And by focusing on that and creativity, that's what I do. And then believing in that and bringing it forward is, well, what got this book published. So play with that and stay really curious with what what are my gifts? And then bring it bring it forward. How can you even make it practical to maybe monetize it or just bring it into your life to be a contribution in some way? You know, it's interesting that you said that oftentimes our own gifts and our talents are things that we, we don't even realize um, because they come so natural to us. And I've always had like a knack for writing and doing podcasts and things like that, but I never really thought of it as a gift until somebody told me like maybe almost two years ago, give or take, um, because, you know, they had, they had, um, I had read them some things that I had written and, you know, in like a personal journey, I, uh, excuse me, um, a personal journal, I, I had deemed them a safe person. So we were sharing and they were like, you have got a serious talent for writing. And like, it never even dawned on me because it just seemed to come natural. Mm. But, you know, it's amazing when you embrace something that you're good at and you don't even realize that, that it's so easy for you that other people couldn't even begin to think about doing it, but you do it so well and so freely that it's a great way to inspire people to explore their own gifts. You know, whether it's yeah. writing or it's it's podcasting or it's speaking or it's riding horses or it's whatever it is that you do, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing how much that that can inspire somebody else to say, well, you know, he or she does this. What can I do and what am I good at? And you're right. When you start to really embrace that and and share it with the world and use it to inspire others, like it like it's it's a ripple effect of just encouraging people. So that's that's a great way yeah. to present it. And I, I was thinking to myself, you know, as I said, I'm like. When you said about how things come natural, but but we don't embrace them as a gift, I'm like, wow, I did that. Yeah, yeah. You sure do have a natural ability with podcasting, even your voice. You've got a strong radio voice. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I have one more question, but just before I get to it, I had always thought of, you know, how how cool it would be to be able to write and and to do podcasts and to be able to help people, but I never had the courage to do it until I started opening up to, in my case, it was a therapist at the time. But once those floodgates opened, the possibilities are endless. So, you know, as you have been encouraging people, I just want to uh, reiterate that and say, whatever your gifts are, it doesn't matter how weird they are, how unique they are, how mm-hmm. different they are, use that to your advantage to help yourself and help other people, because you never know who's going to be able to relate to that in any type of way and, and you know, who you're going to inspire. So really embrace what you're good at and what comes natural and use that for the betterment of yourself and for others. Yeah, and to celebrate it, Yes, which is something that as survivors we don't do either, but really to celebrate it and to allow yourself to expand and go big because we tend to, with that energy of abuse that's very contracting and restricted, so we tend to like shrink and our um, perception of ourselves shrinks. But when we do take it out to the world, like you're talking about and sharing it, that's when it expands. So our our hope expands, our personality expands, we we become more alive. You are exactly right. We we become so alive and so energized and we, we become a light and, you know, a hope and just a beacon for others. So, so very well said. Um yeah. 
One last question before Thank we you. finish up here. What are you working on next now that your book is published out there? I am developing something for groups, and I'm not quite sure what it is, so I'm staying curious. I write a lot in this book about curiosity because I think it's such a wonderful tool. And rather than jumping to something impulsive, i just starting by celebrating this book in whatever way I can. And so I had a party and we did a video recording of people talking about the book. So I just received these wonderful things people were talk, saying about it, and I want to do something to develop group therapy around this because I've heard a number of therapists say it. this would be a great book for group therapy, and it would give people a starting point. I've, it, what's funny is I've had a couple of people buy the book, and they would buy a copy for their therapist to share it with their therapist, so I love that. So I don't know if I'm going to be starting a program with therapists and healers to, or anyone that would want to run a group um, based on this book, or if I'll be running groups myself. I'm not sure, but that's what I'm asking the question. I'm asking the universe, how can I be the greatest contribution with this? That sounds absolutely amazing. And when you get to a point where you're ready to start launching these groups or, you know, whatever, whatever capacity you do, um, definitely keep me in the loop because, <clears throat> you know, I, I am all in on this book and I would love to help out any way I can. So oh, I would be honored you, to, absolutely. I would be honored to help share this message, to share your message, to help other survivors. That's always my goal. Katya, wow. this has been absolutely incredible. I am, I am so glad that we did this podcast. I'm so glad and honored that we had the chance to chat and share your message and talk about the book. Um, let's go ahead and wrap it up and you can tell everybody where to find you, where they can get the book. And you also have a special going on right now in July, right? With your book. Right. So um, you can find me at katiacooper.com and I'll spell that out. It's K-A-T-I-A Cooper, C-O-O-P-E-R.com. On there, I have links to a couple of pages um, for Facebook. One is the author page and one is a survivor page. And on my website, that will also link to, you can buy it through Amazon. You can buy it anywhere. You can buy it locally. Just call your bookstore and order it. You can buy it through my website. I have a special that's buy two and get one free. Now, during the month of July, I'm going to have on that buy two and get one free. That will lead to, I mean, I also have free shipping for the month of July. And there's a coupon that you need to put in a a word to get this free shipping. And the word is freedom. Freedom with a capital F. So the reason I'm doing that is to encourage groups small groups because survivors tend to isolate themselves before they really do some healing and it becomes fun to be with people. But this encourages some connection as you go through it. If you get a couple of friends or share it with an abuse center, whatever whatever you're inclined to. Thank you so much again, Katya. This has been amazing. Everybody head over to katiacooper.com. You can find out more about her book, about her work, how, how to contact her, the special that she mentions, uh, excuse me, that she mentioned with the free shipping here in July, 2017. Just a great resource. I mean, everything about 
you know, her website is very calming, very, very relaxing. I'm on her, her uh, contact page right now. And there's an ocean scene that's just like mesmerizing as I'm reading through her bio while you were talking. So <laughs> thank you again, Kati. It's been awesome. And once I'm done reading your book, I would love to um, bring you back on the show and, and we could discuss it more in depth because I'm sure oh, I want to share so many things with you. Excellent. Thank you, Matt. You are such a gift to the world. Huge. You're an excellent example. Thanks again for listening to Surviving My Podcast, sponsored by survivingmypast.net, a blog about my life with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD, and in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. This podcast or any resources sponsored by survivingmypast.net should not be considered as therapy or professional medical help. If you are in crisis, I encourage you to seek out the services of a mental health or physical health professional. I also encourage you to check out online crisis support from sites like rain.org, oneand6.org, and the Samaritans. If you would like to be a guest on a future podcast, just contact me anytime through email, matt at survivingmypast.net, or use the contact forms on the blog. Thank you again for your support and encouragement, and always know that you rock. Talk to you soon.